Welcome to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM, coming to you from the northern tablelands of New South Wales. I'm Luke, and on Tableland Explorers, we unpack the truths of the Bible and adapt them to our lives. Today we have an awesome show lined up for you, and guess what? It is Noah and myself back here in the studio together for another week. Now, Noah, how was your week? You know, last week we did a study and we came into the studio. It's been another week. How's, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been pretty good. I haven't been up too much, just a bit of school, bit of work. We've had a garden we've been working on, so yep. got a big um, pile of soil at the back of our place that we've been wheelbarrowing onto the garden and just putting heaps of rows in, so that's been a lot of fun work for this week. Nice. So you've just sort of planted the soil and you're about to do some planting now. Oh, we've done some planting, but we've yep. definitely got more to do, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. I've got a garden out the back that I haven't started with yet. It is just covered in weeds. Um, but anyways, it's not been my uh, forte. I haven't, I haven't got a green thumb, you know, so it's a little bit hard. Um, but neither have I, but when you've got a mother that you live with, you've got to kind of try to compensate. Oh, uh, yeah, so your mum's making you do it, huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, excellent. Well, I'm sure when you have that fresh fruit and veg on your plate that you grew yourself, it's going to taste so much better than the stuff that you buy in the shopping center. Oh, definitely, and it's free. And it's free, yeah. So, Luke, how's your week been? This week's been really good, actually. There's about seven people that I've been studying with that we're now starting to prepare for baptism. Mm. So that is so good to be seeing young people just excited about giving their lives to Jesus and Wanting to be baptized. Definitely. So that's definitely been a highlight of my week and, you know, and my ministry too, because I'm helping prepare seven young people for baptism. And um, earlier this year, I was able to baptize two people. And with preparing the next seven, that's going to be nine people that I've been able to baptize this year. And that's just cool for me because. I've always been on the planting side of ministry. You know, I always felt like I was doing the seed planting and the cultivating, not being able to get much reaping. Mm. And this season of my ministry has been a real reaping season. And, you know, with these people, I haven't planted the seed. I haven't sort of cultivated that seed that is within them. I've just been with them when they've made their decision to be baptized and I get that pleasure of baptizing them and seeing them continue on their journey with Jesus. So it's been a very good Um, week or so Mm. um, in preparing that. And, you know, in the next few weeks when we uh, baptize these young people, it's going to be an absolutely amazing time. Definitely. Now, now, I thought today that we could share with our listeners something about ourselves that they may not know, just so they can get to know us a little bit better. And, you know, I thought I'd go first. Seems you're looking at me going, I don't know what to say. And, um, so, you know, some of my friends, right, some of my close friends, they call me a real oxymoron, right? And I was like, when I first heard this, I was like, what are you talking about? What does this mean? And they started to explain it to me. And it's interesting because I'm a pastor and I have in the past been involved in surf lifesaving. I have been involved in outdoor rec stuff, so abseiling and climbing and everything like that, kayaking. But I've also been involved in the rodeo, riding bulls in the rodeo. And it's like all these different things that I like to do, just all in the one person. People are like, you don't get one person that enjoys all these types of activities. But I do, and I I really do enjoy them. And it's quite interesting when you tell people about that, like all these different things you enjoy. And they're like, what, really? You do all those things? Mm. I'm like, yep. 
Um, so how about you? Is there something about you that is different that people like hear about and go, oh, God, wow, that's really cool that you do that sort of stuff? Um, well, I don't know. There's, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm not normal in any way. That's what a lot of people <laughs> tell me. Everyone tells me that I'm just some weirdo. Oh, that's not nice. And they say, they say it's a great thing, okay, but yep. they do say in I'm a, a weirdo. Way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think, I know something that I've found that I kind of, not a whole heap of other people love doing and I kind of love trying to get them into it mm-hmm. is door knocking where you're actually going to someone's place and instead of, you know, letterboxing or something, you're actually interacting with that person. You're talking to them and you're actually having a conversation. Yep. I find a lot of people find that very scary and I love mm-hmm. to kind of like, especially friends that are kind of just like, no way I'd never do that. I loved getting them into it because it's so much fun. Yeah, that's awesome. What other things do you like doing? Um, I enjoy motorbike riding. Yep. And, um, yeah, I enjoy just work in general, proper, you know, I'd, I've never really enjoyed school or anything mm-hmm. like that. I've always enjoyed. I think everybody in your generation <laughs> would say they didn't enjoy school. I feel like anyone in the whole history that's a male would say that. Oh, so that maybe not everybody, but most people, yeah. <laughs> there, there was elements of school that I enjoyed, like sports. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I actually enjoyed cooking while I was at school too. I don't know why, but cooking class was always fun. Yeah, I used to enjoy it. Now I cook most of the meals, so I don't as much. Yeah, well, that's true. I didn't cook a lot when I was in school. I only ever cooked at school. So now that I'm on my own and cooking for myself, I could probably say the same thing. Not a big fan of cooking all the time. But no, you talked about door knocking. Now, why were you going door knocking? Um, well, I've gone door knocking quite a few times, um, different reasons. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that have grown up, um, in the Adventist church have done ADRA donations mm-hmm. before. And that's something that I was always kind of dragged into. Um, and kind of just like, come on, you're coming along and you're going to knock on someone's door and ask them for a donation. Yeah. And so I've done that. And then I've done a lot of just, um, Selling books with canvassing where you'll take a book and you'll ask them for a, um, a price that pays for the book, but you don't make a profit on it. So what sort of books are you selling? Um, so spiritual books, uh, most of it is spiritual books. And mm-hmm. then sometimes we'll do like a healthy cooking book so people can yep. learn how to cook healthy. So that's another big thing that I like doing. And um, another thing that's really fun to do is just go to like a mall or somewhere like that and just give away tracks and flyers and different stuff. Just go up to people and just say, hey, I've yep. got a gift for you and just give that to them. I also really enjoy doing stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So that's those little glow tracks. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So for those that are listening, glow tracks are like a little Bible study and takes you about five minutes to read um, and just teaches you something about the Bible and something about Jesus. Now, knocking on the door, you know, you're primarily – going out there to tell them about Jesus in some way. Mm. Um, so tell us an experience. What's an experience that stands out to you that you really felt God was really moving in, in that time? Yeah, um, actually one that happened here in Armadale was a really good one where there was a lady that I canvassed and she was um, – I kind of knocked on the door and I didn't mm-hmm. think anyone was home and I was about to leave and she pulled in the driveway and she got out. And I kind of said, would you want any of these books? And she's like, I'm sorry, I don't have the money. I've spent all the money on um, vet bills for my dog, my mm-hmm. two dogs who are dying. Oh, and really? I um, I gave her a little um, path of peace with just step to Christ. And I just yep. said, listen, just have this. It's a little pick-me-up book. It helped cheer you up. And she just burst into tears and oh, wow. gave me this big hug. And she was, mm-hmm. yeah, and I 
had a prayer with her, and it was just such a really great experience. Well, it's amazing how just something little like that can actually make people's day, hey? Mm, definitely. Now, maybe we might make someone's day today while we go into Who is the Antichrist? Part 2 of our study. Now, Noah, for those that weren't with us, would you like to share with them a little bit about what we talked about last week? Well, what we did last week is we went through Daniel chapter 7 mm-hmm. and really just unpacked a lot of the clues about who the Antichrist really is. We went through symbols of beasts and kingdoms and got 10 clues that we're going to go through today and find out who the Antichrist really is. Now, for those of you that were listening last week, I hope you took down those 10 clues and you were able to find a power, an entity that fits all 10 clues. If you missed last week's study, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. You can find it on the Faith FM website or the Faith FM app under Table and Explorers. Because this week we're going to apply all 10 clues to an entity to find out who the Antichrist of Bible prophecy is. We're not going to go through where these clues came from. I would like to encourage you to go back to last week's study so that you can understand where all these clues are coming from. If you would like to follow along with our Bible study today, you can text SOP14 with no spaces to 04888 for the PDF of today's study guide. We are on study guide 14, Who is the Antichrist? Part 2. Also, we have an awesome free offer for you today, and it fits perfectly with our study, so stick around and get the code word. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM, and here is Michael W. Smith with Ancient Words. Yeah. 
Welcome back to Tableland Explorers. Today, we are going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides. These study guides are taking us through some of the most amazing prophecies of the Bible. Some of them have already been fulfilled. Some of them are being fulfilled right now, and some will be fulfilled in the near future. They will also cover some of the most important teachings of the Bible. If you are a keen student of the Bible or just interested in what the Bible says, then these studies are for you. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Tableland Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. We are about to start our study, so if you would like to follow along with us, then text SOP14 with no spaces to 04 Our study is titled, Who is the Antichrist? Part 2. All right, now before we start our study, let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for a lovely day, and um, just please be with us as we study your word. Please help everyone that's listening to hear what they need to hear, and um, for it to be a blessing to everyone, Lord. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. The Protestant Reformation was one of the greatest events in world history. By the mid-1500s, this movement had swept throughout Germany and was advancing through Switzerland, England, France, Austria, and many other parts of Europe. Yeah, and you know, the Reformation was based on the idea of sola scriptura, the Bible, and the Bible only. Through a study of the scriptures, the Reformers discovered a refreshing beauty of salvation through faith instead of works. Mm. And the prophecies also became a keen focus of study. As the Reformers investigated the books of Daniel and Revelation, the subject of the Antichrist captured their attention. In their view, it was the leadership of their own church that fulfilled all the criteria of being the Antichrist of prophecy. This discovery amazed the Reformers because they loved their church so much. But the Reformers were certain of their conviction, and they became outspoken in their opposition to the papacy. Mainstream Christianity had become corrupt. Church life was a form of tradition instead of a heartfelt experience with Jesus. Mm. Displayed in the Luther Museum of Wittenberg is a small book entitled Passions of Christ and Antichrist. In this satirical book, the artist Lucas Cranich compares the actions of Jesus Christ with the actions of the Pope of Rome. To illustrate Cranich sketched on one side of a page Jesus washing the disciples' feet. On the other side of the page was the Pope holding out his toe to be kissed. On another page, Cranich sketched Jesus driving out the money changers from the temple, but then compared this to the Pope sitting with his bishops counting his vast piles of wealth, gained at the expense of the poor. You know, Martin Luther considered this a very good book for the average church member. Art had the ability to effectively communicate to both the scholars and the peasants of Europe. Mm-hmm, it does, doesn't it? And for many years, virtually every Protestant church publicly held the same conviction regarding the Antichrist. This conviction was held at the risk of death. The Westminster Confession states, There is no other head of the church but the Lord Jesus Christ, nor can the Pope of Rome in any sense be head thereof. But is that Antichrist, the man of sin, the son of perdition, that exalts himself in the church against Christ and all that is called God? That's in chapter 5 and article 6. You know, are any of the claims of the Reformers valid? Is it even Christian to call another Christian an Antichrist? Why does Bible prophecy use such graphic and negative terms and images? 
What is the relevance of the Antichrist prophecy for today? In this study guide, in an attitude of humility and prayer, we will test the claims of the Reformers by using the clear identifying marks from the Bible. Also, we will apply the principle of this prophecy to help us grow in our daily relationship with Jesus. Question 1 says, How can we discover and understand Bible truth? The answer is found in Acts 17.11 and it says, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. You know, it is vital that any new truth be tested by the study of the scriptures. Private speculations and interpretations will never unlock the secrets of prophecy. Yeah, you're right. And we need to handle the scriptures carefully and prayerfully, looking at passages in their context and comparing scripture with scripture. Only a daily relationship with Jesus and a prayerful study of his word will enable us to discover the truth. That leads us to question number two. Why does Bible prophecy use such graphic and negative terms to describe certain global powers? Well, the answer to this is found in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19. And the Bible says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. The Bible reveals the good and bad of political leaders, nations and religions. The uncensored history and future of characters and events provide graphic details of evil and personal sin. We can learn from past mistakes and avoid future dangers. Within the Bible, God has been particularly passionate in his warnings of apostasy within his chosen people. God is so strong in his language because he is so strong in his love. Mm, Yeah, you know, throughout this series, we see God pointing out the faults Mm. of the Jewish and Christian faiths alike. Whether Protestant or Catholic, God has his people in all religions. His genuine followers of all faiths will see the dangers and be obedient to his call for a return to the original faith of the scriptures. If you would like to follow along with our Bible study today, you can text SOP14 with no spaces to 04888880831 for the PDF of today's study guide. Today we are on study number 14, Who is the Antichrist? Part 2. Also, we have an awesome free offer for you today, so stick around to get the code word. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM. Here is Sweet Deliverance with Back to the Bible. Let's get back to the Bible. Let's get back to the truth. Let's get back to the Bible. Let's get back to the truth. 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 Oh, if we walk in light as He is in the light and do our best from day to day, He will be faithful to forgive our sins and blessings will all flow our way. He has promised a crown of glory and all that promise I'll say. Oh, if we walk in light. As he is in the light, he will forgive this wretched man. Let's get back, back to the Bible. Let's get back, back to the truth. Let's get back, back to the Bible. Let's get back, back to 
Welcome back to Tableland Explorers. Today we are going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides. These study guides are taking us through some of the most amazing prophecies of the Bible. Some of them have already been fulfilled, some of them are being fulfilled right now, and some of them will be fulfilled in the near future. They will also cover some of the most important teachings of the Bible. If you are a keen student of the Bible, or just interested in what the Bible says, these studies are for you. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Tableland Explorers. Or you can go to the App Store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. We are on study number 14 and question 3. The next question is, what are the identifying marks of the Antichrist? You know, Bible prophecy gives us a significant number of clear characteristics to help us identify the Antichrist. Now, we identified these characteristics in last week's episode. But to illustrate, just imagine you were asked by a friend to pick someone up from the airport. You have never met this person. The first thing you want to know is how to recognize him or her. After all, there will be hundreds of people coming off the plane. Oh, that's easy, says your friend. You see, he will be wearing a pink suit, a bright yellow tie, and one high heel shoe. He will have purple hair, he is 80 years of age, and has only one leg. 
Do you think you would miss him? No, I don't think I would. No, and I don't think I would miss him either. But that is an extreme example. In a similar way, God gives a number of clear identifying marks for the key players of prophecy. This includes the Antichrist. In our previous study guide, Who is the Antichrist Part 1?, we highlighted the following characteristics from Daniel 7. Clue 1 is that it arises from Western Europe. Clue 2, it is a little kingdom. Clue 3, it arises after the ten tribes of Europe were established. Clue 4, it overcomes three political powers as it rises to prominence. Clue 5, it is different from the other ten powers. Clue 6, it would have a man at its head who speaks for it. Clue 7, it would speak blasphemies against God. Clue 8, it would persecute God's people. Clue 9, it would be in power for 1,260 years. Clue 10, this power would attempt to change times and laws. Question 4 says, what is the Antichrist power of Daniel chapter 7? When the Protestant reformers studied the book of Daniel, they pinpointed the Roman papacy as the little horn power. These earnest individuals were not trying to criticize their fellow believers. Many of them were still Catholic priests. They were simply studying the message of love and correction provided by God in the prophecies of the scripture. We will now take a look at the evidence and see if the Roman papacy matches the clues provided in the prophecy. Alright, clue one is that it arises from Western Europe. The first Antichrist fact is that the papacy arose from Western Europe. The home or seat of the papacy is Rome, Italy, right in the heart of Western Europe. Mm. Clue number two says it is a little kingdom. Antichrist fact two, the Vatican is a little nation. The Vatican is a very small, independent kingdom within Europe. The entire kingdom is located on just over 40 hectares or 108 acres of land. Clue 3. It arises after the ten tribes of Europe were established. Antichrist Fact 3. The papacy rose to political power in 538 AD. The ten kingdoms were established by 476 AD. The papacy received its major political power once it overthrew the Ostrogoths in 538 AD. Clue number 4. It overcomes three political powers as it rises to prominence. Antichrist Fact 4. The papacy uprooted three tribes, the Vandals, the Heruli, and the Ostrogoths. Over time, most of the ten kingdoms of Europe adapted Roman Christianity. However, three of these kingdoms opposed Rome and refused to cooperate. These three powers were defeated by Catholic emperors, the Heruli in 493 AD, the Vandals in 534 AD, and the Ostrogoths in 538 AD. All three kingdoms were plucked out by the roots. They have disappeared from Europe. If you would like to follow along with our Bible study today, you can text SOP14 with no spaces to 04888880831 for the PDF of today's study guide. Today we are on study guide 14, Who is the Antichrist Part 2? Also, we have an awesome free offer for you today, and it fits perfectly with our study. So stick around and get the code word. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM, and here is Mercy Me with Word of God Speak. I'm finding myself at a loss for words, and the funny thing is. 
Welcome back to Tableland Explorers. We have been going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides, and today we are comparing the biblical clues about the Antichrist that we found in last week's study. We have been comparing them to the Roman papacy system. The clues are about a system, not a people. God has his true people in all systems. So far, the first four clues have fitted perfectly. However, all ten clues have to match for identifying the papacy as the Antichrist of Bible prophecy. So let's keep going with the next six clues to see if they all fit. But first, if you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au, go to the podcast section and look for Table and Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. We are on study number 14 and at question 4 and clue 5. Clue 5. It is different from the other 10 powers. Antichrist fact 5. The papacy is a religious power. The papacy is different from all other powers in terms of being a religious power. A church controlling politics was certainly different from the first ones. They were secular governments. Clue number 6. 
It would have a man at its head who speaks for it. Antichrist fact 6. The Pope is the absolute head of the church. The papacy has one man at the head. The papacy is not a democratic government. The Pope is the ultimate authority who speaks for the church. Clue 7. It would speak blasphemies against God. Antichrist fact 7. The Pope claims to be God on earth. According to the Bible, blasphemy is either claiming to forgive sins, Luke 5.21, or claiming to be God, John 10.33. The papacy claims both. In 1870, the Vatican Council declared the Pope was infallible whenever speaking from his position of authority. Notice these interesting quotes. We, the Popes, hold upon the earth the place of God Almighty. And another one. The Pope is not only the representative of Jesus Christ, but he is Jesus Christ himself, hidden under the veil of flesh, Catholic National July 1895. And one more. Thus the priest may, in a certain manner, be called the creator of the creator, since by saying these words of consecration, he creates, as it were, Jesus in the sacrament. Duties and Dignities of the Priest, page 27. Clue number eight. It would persecute God's people. Antichrist fact eight. The papacy has persecuted and killed millions of people. During the Dark Ages, the Church of Rome killed more people than what Hitler did during World War II. Conservative estimates place the killings at 50 million people, with some experts placing the figure closer to 150 million deaths. Millions of people were burned at the stake for heresy when they were simply following the truths of Scripture instead of the dictates and traditions of the church. Clue 9. It would be in power for 1,260 years. Antichrist Fact 9. The papacy ruled for 1,260 years. The papacy gained ultimate power in 538 AD when the final opposition, the Ostrogoths, were defeated. The church then ruled for 1,260 years until Pope Pius VI was taken captive by Napoleon's general, Bethia. The pope was stripped of his political powers, just as the prophecy predicted. The Antichrist received a deadly wound in 1798, ending the power of the papacy. Clue number 10. This power would attempt to change times and the law. Antichrist fact 10. The papacy attempted to change God's law, the Ten Commandments. In an amazing fulfillment of prophecy, the papacy attempted to change God's law. Firstly, the Catholic Catechism have shortened the Sabbath commandment from nearly 100 words to just 8. They also removed the second commandment completely. This commandment forbids worship of images and idols. They then split the Tenth Commandment into two. Along with this, the Church claims to have changed the Sabbath to Sunday. The Sabbath is the only commandment associated with times. Any attempt to change the law of God is blasphemy. The Roman papacy fits all the clues perfectly. No other power in history or the future could possibly fit all the clues that the prophecy of Daniel 7 has provided. We have an awesome free offer for you today, and it fits perfectly with our study. So save this number in your phone, 4 That's 4 and wait for the code word that is coming up soon. 
You're listening to Table and Explorers on Faith FM. Here is Sydney Wolverton with Anchor My Soul. I'm thankful God hasn't let me go Cause I've let Him go many times He keeps amazing me with how He's changing me I'm holding on this time And I keep on telling myself what you've sowed in faith Don't give up what won't be replaced Your life means more than you would ever know Don't waste it now Let Him anchor your soul Your soul Your soul to Tableland Explorers. We have been going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides, and today we are comparing the biblical clues about the Antichrist that we have found in last week's study. We have been comparing them to the Roman papacy, remembering the clues are about the system and not a people, for God has his true people in all systems. We have been able to identify that all ten clues fit the Roman papacy. What does this mean? It means that the Roman papacy is the Antichrist of Bible prophecy. The Protestant reformers were correct in their understanding. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for the Tableland Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. 
Let's get back to our study. We are on study number 14 and at question 5. All right, question 5 says, What was the church's response to the Reformation? The Roman church was deeply concerned about the Reformation. They had the Muslims fighting them from without and the Protestants fighting them from within. Church leaders held a series of meetings in the northern Italian city of Trent designed to develop initiatives to counter the Reformation. One of the key points of discussion related to the authority of the Bible over church practice and tradition. The Archbishop of Reggio gave a speech at Trent claiming that Protestants also believe in the authority of the church and tradition. The Archbishop pointed to the fact that the Protestants were keeping Sunday, a day made by church authority and tradition. He claimed that Sunday was certainly not a day of worship based on the Bible. He quotes, The Sabbath, the most glorious day in the law, has been changed into the Lord's Day. These and other similar matters have not ceased by virtues of Christ's teaching. For he says he has come to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. But they have been changed by the authority of the church. He said that in the 17th session of the Council of Trent on January 18, 1562. This gave the church great courage and confidence in their basis for faith. They knew the Protestants had a weak link in their theology. The council then turned to the issue of the Antichrist. This was their Achilles heel. The reformers saw Bible prophecy like a road map of time. Prophecy outlines the future from the time of the vision through the end of time. The reformers knew from the book of Daniel that many great empires had come and gone. They then pinpointed their time in Bible prophecy and identified the Pope as the Antichrist. Question 6 in our study says, So what did the church do to counter this approach to Bible prophecy? The Jesuit order suggests two alternative views on prophecy. A Spaniard by the name of Alcazar claimed that the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation related to the Jews and pagan Rome. By applying all the prophecies to the past, this approach, called preterism, resulted in the middle-aged church escaping all references to the prophecy. The other approach was put forward by another Spaniard, Francis Ribar. Ribar published a 500-page commentary on Bible prophecy applying the early parts of Revelation to pagan Rome and all the later parts to a period way off in the future. This futurist approach was supported by another Jesuit by the name of Robert Bellarmine. Bellarmine focused his attack on the Protestant approach to the year-day principle of the Bible prophecy. He said that the Antichrist was a Jew who would rule for three and a half literal years at the end of time. These Jesuits took the 1,260 days of Antichrist rule and made it jump right over the top of the Dark Ages into the Last Day context. Once again, the Pope and the Church were now cleared of any association with the Antichrist or Bible prophecy. And you know, unfortunately, many Christians today believe in one of these two views. Question 7 says, Will the Antichrist power take part in the events of the last days? Revelation 13.3 says, And I saw one of his heads, as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. You know, the papacy received its deadly wound when the Pope was taken captive in 1798. The prophet John then saw a time when this wound would heal. The power of the Antichrist will return. 
Yeah, you're right. And, you know, John saw all the world marveled and followed the beast. The role and influence of the papacy in last day events will be discussed in the study guide, The Final Superpower, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Question 8 says, how should we apply the principle of the Reformation to our lives today? Well, the answer is found in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18. And the Bible says, But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The Christian life is a growth experience. Just as the Reformers grew in their knowledge of truth and love for Jesus, we need to grow every day also. We shouldn't be content with the truth we have. We need to be studying the scripture and learning more about Jesus and his love. As we apply what we have learned from the Bible, our own lives experience a personal revival and reformation. We love Jesus more and demonstrate his love to others. We learn to hate sin and love doing right. Over time, God will put such a love for truth in our hearts and we will become willing to die rather than dishonor God. Mm, You're right. You know, it's vital when presenting strong truths such as the Antichrist that we do not display a spirit of Antichrist. We need to be humble, loving and Christ-focused, not dwelling on the faults of others. We need to uplift Christ. It is vital that we know this prophecy because it protects us from areas of deception. But knowing the identity of the Antichrist will not save us. Knowing the person of Christ will. We have an awesome free offer for you today, and it fits perfectly with our study. So save this number in your phone, 04888-80831. That's 04888-80831. And wait for the code word that's coming up soon. You're listening to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM. Here is Lucy Grimble with a medley of I Surrender All and Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely I will ever love and trust Him In His presence daily Sing it out, I surrender Oh
Welcome back to Table and Explorers. We have been going through the Secrets of Prophecy Bible Study Guides, and today we are comparing the biblical clues about the Antichrist that we found in last week's study. We have been comparing them to the Roman papacy, remembering the clues are about a system and not a people, for God has his true people in all systems. We have been able to identify that all ten clues fit the Roman papacy. What does this mean? It means that the Roman papacy is the Antichrist of Bible prophecy. The Protestant reformers were correct in their understanding. They followed the Bible and the Bible alone. They kept following Jesus and his word even when he led them away from the church they loved so much. If you are just joining us and would like to catch up on this study or previous studies, you can go to faithfm.com.au and go to the podcast section and look for Table and Explorers. Or you can go to your app store and download the Faith FM Australia app. Let's get back to our study. Now there's the three points for us to remember from our study. And these three points are the Protestant believers understood prophecy as a roadmap of time. The evidence of the Roman church in history fulfills the biblical marks of the Antichrist. We need to demonstrate the spirit of Christ when dealing with sensitive prophecies. Noah, I think these um, three points to remember in our study really cover everything that we learnt um, in our study today, don't they? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I really like especially the last one. You know, we need to be so much like Christ. We need to be loving and, you know, truly love people when we're telling them, not telling them because they're wrong or whatever, but telling them because we love them and we don't want them to be lost. Yeah, that's true, and that's with the Antichrist study, but that's with any other study of the Bible. Like, there's so many people out there that don't believe the Bible is God's Word, mm. you know, so they're not going to believe anything that comes from it. So when we're sharing truths from the Bible, we need to just share the information with people and let them make a decision on what they want to believe. Mm, definitely. And it's so helpful to know that our understanding of prophecy is the same as the Reformers, and it shows us a roadmap through time. And it shows us who God is, right? Mm, it like, so does. It shows us how much He loves us because He's given us all this information to be prepared. Mm. Yeah, like you said, it's a roadmap. It's so true. You know, we've got this guide that's telling us what's going to happen in the future, which is just such an amazing thing, you know. What other religion has the privilege of knowing what's going to happen before it happens? Mm, you're right. And it's it's like God's showing us what's behind that dark corner before we get there. Mm, you know, yeah. we know times are going to get worse. And we know that the 
papacy is going to start acting in an unchristian way. Yeah. And we we can be ready for that. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that everybody in that church will act in an unchristian way. We're talking about an entity, a system that will be acting in that way. You know, that reminds me of a story. You know, when Martin Luther stood for truth, he did so relying on Jesus. Luther prayed literally for hours each day and studied the scriptures humbly and earnestly. But Luther faced great oppression. The Pope's ambassadors, Alexander, said of Luther, In Luther's errors, there is enough to warrant the burning of a hundred thousand heretics. When summoned to face trial at Worms, Luther's friends warned him not to go. Luther replied, I would go to Worms if there was as many devils there as tiles on the roof. If Huss had been burnt, the truth had not been burnt with him. I will not fear ten thousand popes, for who is with me is greater than he who is in the world. When Luther faced the trials, he stood before his persecutors and delivered a powerful two-hour speech. He defended his writings, consistently referring back to the scripture. After two hours of preaching, Luther was stopped by the emperor and asked to just give it to them straight. Will you recant or not? Give me a yes or no. Luther then made his famous statement. Since your imperial majesty requires a plain answer, I will give one without horns or hoof. It is this, that I must be convinced either by testimony of scripture or by clear argument. I cannot trust the Pope or councils by themselves, since it is as clear as daylight that they have not only erred but contradicted themselves. I am bound by the scriptures which I have quoted. My conscience is thrilled to the word of God. I may not and will not recant, because to act against conscience is neither honest or safe. I can do nothing else. Here I stand, so help me God. Amen. What does it take to stand for God like Luther did? I think the only way we can do that is to have a connection with God. Like God is the only one that has that sort of strength. We inwardly do not have anything like that. Yeah, Luther could not have stood there by himself. No. He definitely had to have Jesus standing there with him. Definitely. And I think that shows us that you know, if we have that relationship with God, if we have that understanding of Scripture, then we will be able to stand like that. Mm. We will be able to stand like Luther. Yeah. You know, something that I take away from this is Luther's courage. Mm. You know, he didn't have to go there to to face those people, but he did. Mm. And also think you think about, you know, even if there was just one person in that courtroom that heard that and it impacted them, you know, that's also could have been a reason why he went there. Yeah, because there would have been so many other people that would have been impressed by the way he stood up mm. and what he had said. Like the story says that he shared a two-hour sermon. Like I wonder what that would have all been about, like how he put that together, the verses he used, the stories he told to be able to show you know, God's word. Mm. And to put something logical like that, to them, and then for them to just say, no, we don't want to hear that. We just want a straight answer. I mean, yeah. to any logical person, that's got to say something. I know, right? You'd be like, haven't you been like hearing me for the last two hours? Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I've got to prepare a sermon each week for church, right? And that can be tiring and it can be hard. 
Imagine putting that sermon together and understanding and the study, knowing that your life is on the line. Mm, yeah. Like he was going that they could have killed him. Yeah. Right? But he still stood for what was right. Mm. And I think that gives us courage to be able to stand that one day we're going to have to stand for what is right even in the face of death. Yeah. You know, how do you demonstrate to people with a different view to you that you love and accept them? Well, I mean, I think the only way you can do that is really tell them how much God loves them. Yeah. Because showing love to them, the best way you can do that is showing that you care. Mm -hmm. And the best way to show that you care is to tell them how much God loves them and tell them how much he cares about them. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, knowing not everyone sees this point of view of Bible prophecy, mm. you know, and I think to show that we care can be, here you go, we're sharing you this information, do you believe it or not? And whether they say yes or no, we're still friends. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, cool, that's your that's your idea, that's your view, this is mine, um, let's agree to disagree Yeah. and still be friends. Yeah. I think that um, shows how we can still share what we believe the Bible is saying, but still love and respect them for their views and their ideas. Mm, and it's like Martin Luther said that it's neither honest nor wise to not listen to your conscience. Well, mm. to try to convince them of something forcibly is basically trying to force them to go against their conscience. And, you know, yeah. that's the Holy Spirit's job. That's what he's there for. Yeah, for sure. We just share and let the Holy Spirit um, do the do the rest. Mm. What would you say to someone who says that this is just an interpretation of the Antichrist? Ooh. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we've sort of answered that, haven't we? I mean, mm. it's really you tell them your belief, you show them why you believe that from the Bible, mm. and then you let the Holy Spirit do the rest because it's not your job. Yeah. And, like, in a way, it is an interpretation mm. because there are plenty of other interpretations um, of this passages passages of scripture, oh, yeah. and um, I guess for me, I think I'll just say, well, from the study of scripture and study of history, this is what I believe the Bible is teaching, mm. and we just need to share what um, we believe. Yeah, and then if there is another view out there, we can always say, well, where do you get that from the Bible? Yeah. If it's not coming from the Bible, then how can you say that that is the Antichrist or this person is the Antichrist? when you're not using the scriptures. Mm, and then sit down and let them explain it to you, listen to mm. them, and help them listen to you more as well. Yep, uh, for sure. How would you answer the objection that Bible prophecy has no right to judge an individual or religious entity? Wow, it's a loaded question, isn't it? Well, I mean, I suppose it's not, it's um, Bible prophecy is just the instrument that God's, Use God's the one that's told them that, so it's mm. not the Bible, it's God telling them that. Yeah, and I don't think it's judging, like it's just sharing a fact, really. Well, it's it's a warning. It is a warning, yeah, for sure. And I don't think that um, here, God isn't really judging an individual. No. Right? The, the little horn, the Antichrist power that we have identified as the papacy system is talking about a system that is doing things that are against God. Mm. And God has said, hey, stay away from this power. Now, in a sense of an individual, I think it can be in a sense of we don't want that spirit. 
We mm. talked about it in our last study and a little bit in this study that we can also have an antichrist spirit. Mm. It's just yeah. talking about going, hey, if you're putting something above God in your life, then that is antichrist. Yeah. But we also have a physical um, antichrist that is pro- prophesied in Scripture that we have learned about today. Mm, yeah, and you know, the Bible says you will know them by their fruits. Mm-hmm. So even though you don't judge the individual, but especially the organization, you can judge them by their fruits. So you mm-hmm. can't say they're evil, but if they're doing evil things, what does that tell you? Yeah, that's it, that they they are evil, right? Mm. I think I would also answer this, that if you believe um, that the Bible is the Word of God and you believe in God, then you've got no problems with being judged by God. Right, because he is the righteous judge. He alone knows what really is right and what really is wrong. Mm. And for us to be able to go, you know what? God is the Lord of my life. The Bible is um, the guide that I live by. Then I shouldn't have any worries about what it says. Mm. And when you think about it, he's obviously the rightful judge because when you think mm. about it, he created us. I mean, yep. he's got the complete right to destroy us if he wants to. I mean, he's the one that made us. Yeah, well, thank you for the study. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun um, in the studio here with the with our study guides and our Bibles. And, it has. Um, sharing with our listeners about who the Antichrist is. Mm. Now, after every study, we have a response question, and our response question today is, are you willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads, even if you face opposition for your faith? Well, with God's help, yes. Definitely with God's help, yes, is the same answer for me too. You know, I want to be able to live my life according to the Word of God and Mm. to follow Jesus wherever He leads. Definitely, definitely. And I know that living a Christian life um, will come up against opposition and the Christian faith will be unpopular. We're already seeing that Mm. um, in the world today. So to be able to stand on the Word of God is going to take strength and courage and I pray that I'll have the same courage and conviction that Martin Luther had during the Reformation. And I think if I pray for that and God is standing with me, then I'll be able to stand in opposition. Mm. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us for our study. Uh, we're just going to close our study in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much you're able to come together and have this Bible study. Lord, we know that there's some confronting things that we found in your Word over the last couple of weeks. And Lord, even though that we have studied who the Antichrist is and who you reveal in prophecy, Lord, we want to make sure that we keep our eyes on you. Because knowing this stuff isn't going to save us. Knowing you, Jesus, is what's going to save us. So we just pray that you help us to keep our eyes on you, to be able to stand firm on your word. So no matter what comes our way, we can stand for truth and that no matter what happens, we will be safe with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It has come time in the show to give you the code word for today's free offer. We have 10 DVDs to give away. That DVD is called Revelation, The Bride, The Beast, and Babylon. As the Pope visits America, Bible prophecy takes center stage. Who are the major end-time players? What is the significance of the Pope's visit to America? Be informed and get answers that will prepare you for the future. This is a feature-length documentary hosted by Doug Batchelor. No other book in the Bible has been more misunderstood or misrepresented than Revelation. 
going to the very heart of the Bible's most challenging book, this 90-minute documentary decodes the visions of Revelation 12 and 17 for everyone to understand. Journeying from the birth of Christ through the Christian era, this amazing video pulls aside the veil of hidden history to reveal the rise of Babylon, the persecution of the bride of Christ, and the real-world identity of the beast. Educational and inspiring, Revelation delivers the keys of understanding the epic conflict between Christ and Satan and what it means for your life today. If you would like this DVD... To see Revelation in a new way, then you need the code hashtag TE26. Text that code to 4 and our Faith FM bot will take down your details and we will get you this DVD as soon as we can. We only have 10 to give away, so text it now. The code again is hashtag TE26. Text that code to 4 to get your free copy of the DVD, Revelation, The Bride, The Beast, and Babylon. Our next study is called The Final Superpower. The Bible talks about the final superpower that will rule the world just before Jesus returns. Will it be the papacy, Islam, China, Russia, or the United States of America? Join us next week as we explore the Bible to see who the final superpower will be. Thanks for tuning in today to Tableland Explorers on Faith FM. If you're not sure about any of the things we've talked about on the show today, we encourage you to pray, ask God for clarity, and study the Bible for yourself. As David says in Psalm 119, God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God bless and we'll catch you next time. 